picture this. A car skids on the icy pavement, runs into a telephone pole on a busy downtown block, and the woman in the car behind sees that the driver appears to be injured, so she hurries over to help out. All of a sudden, a guy comes along, pushes her out of the way, and says, stand aside, I've had a course in first aid. So she watches his obvious incompetence for a moment or two, and then she says, sir, when you get to the part about calling a doctor, I'm right here. <laughs> you know, sometimes people want to help, they just maybe aren't the one most equipped to do it. I, I think there's a couple lessons there. It's nice to help, isn't it? It's good to be willing to help. I think apathy is, is kind of a cancer in our culture today, and a lot of people don't want to get involved at all. But at the same time, we ought to be working within our area of giftedness, right? And enthusiasm with incompetence can lead to disaster. We're in this current series right now. It's called The Grace Effect. And we've learned that grace comes in different ways to us from God. There's the grace that saves, right? It is the unearned, the undeserved, the unmerited favor that God shows to us. All our, our sins are forgiven. Our, our past is washed clean. The guilt is taken away. There doesn't have to be a fear of death or a fear of hell anymore because of God's grace. But grace is not finished once we're saved. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.10. God's grace to me was not without effect. His grace has this overwhelming impact on our lives day in and day out. It's, it's, it's a transforming presence in our lives too. Last week, the bottom line was that salvation is immediate, but transformation takes a lifetime. That grace is this lifelong journey in our lives. Well, today, Paul is going to add to our understanding of grace by reminding us about the grace that empowers Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. By His grace, He gives us gifts. And I'm wondering if you have any idea what your gift might be that God has given to you. And if you do, I'm wondering if you're in any way using it to advance the kingdom. Is the world a little bit better because you are committed to being the hands and feet of Jesus? Does your gift help other people experience the grace that God offers? I want to unpack some verses today from Romans chapter 12, and uh, we'll see if we can learn some things together, okay? Well, we've talked quite a bit this year already about the first two verses of Romans 12. Clay preached on those verses at New Year's. I've shared those two verses with you the last two Sundays, but I want to read them to you again. This is Paul writing. Romans 12 begins this way. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy or because of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, if we want to use our gifts, gifts that God has given to us by His grace, it begins, it begins when, when you offer yourself to God. 
Paul says, I urge you to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, the message paraphrase of the New Testament says, here's what I want you to do with God's help. Take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Then God will bring the best out of you. If we want God to empower us to serve, it begins when we offer ourselves to him. I think we should pray a daily prayer. Here I am today, Lord. Use me any way you like. Now that can be a scary prayer if we really mean it. But I believe that if we pray that prayer regularly, God will answer it. And maybe in some pretty amazing ways. But we commit to that prayer. In fact, I think this prayer and a prayer for wisdom ought to be two things that all of us pray every day. Here I am today, Lord, use me any way that you like. You guys might remember Dave Thomas. He's the one who started Wendy's restaurants, right? Dave has passed away now, but he was a committed Christian. Years ago, he said this. He said, when I was 11 years old, my adoptive grandmother took me to Michigan's Gull Lake to be baptized by immersion. For her, Christianity meant more than doctrine you talked about on Sundays. That day, he said, I got baptized into the roll-up-your-sleeves kind of faith of my grandma, Minnie. And I believe in it to this day. A roll-up-your-sleeves kind of faith. Friends, when, when you and I were saved, we were not saved so we could have an easier life here. We could just sort of coast on into heaven someday off in the future. We were saved to serve. Saved to serve. The roll-up-your-sleeves kind of faith is really the only kind of faith that there is. Now, sure, it's important to be good citizens and you ought to be a dependable employee and you ought to be a kind neighbor and a loyal friend. But our primary purpose is to serve Christ. And so experiencing God's power by His grace begins when we just offer ourselves to Him. Here I am, Lord. Living sacrifice. That's our first priority. But Romans 12 goes on to say that we need to evaluate ourselves with honesty. Evaluate yourself. R Romans 12.3 says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith measure of faith God has given you. The New Living Translation says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. I think people often go to one of two extremes when it comes to self-evaluation. Some of us, frankly, think too highly of ourselves. This is that man at the accident scene that wanted to take over the scene because he'd had some first aid training and he shoves the doctor out of the way. A little bit overestimating his own ability. I've known people, maybe you have too, who always want to talk about everything they've accomplished, the achievements they've, they've had, the awards they've won. And whenever somebody else comes along and, and shares maybe something good that's happened to them, rather than celebrating with the other person and congratulating them, they <clears throat> immediately want to one-up them. You know, they want to say, well, yeah, but, but, but let me tell you what I did. Because it always comes back to them, right? Now, to be honest, sometimes people like that suffer from high self-esteem. Sometimes they suffer from a very low self-esteem. And so they have to constantly build themselves up because they're so insecure. 
But Jesus said in Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Proverbs 16 is a little more blunt. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Look, everybody needs a, a place where they can celebrate when they reach a goal, when they accomplish something of significance. You need a safe place. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with a, a small group of friends where you can go and say, hey, let me just tell you about this awesome thing, and, and they'll be happy for you. But let's face it, when you're around people who always want to tell you about the impressive things that they've done and all the accomplishments they've had, and they're always telling you about the past, that can wear pretty thin after a while, too. The Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. However, I think some people, maybe many people, think too lowly of themselves. From low self-esteem to, to a genuine self-loathing, there are those who fail to appreciate that they have any gifts at all. They refuse to even consider the possibility that God has gifted them. You know, some athletes do well in practice, but they choke under pressure. Some students are great at homework, but they fall apart on tests. Some musicians are great in the basement, but they won't even consider the possibility of helping lead worship here at church. Uh, there's just no confidence. There's not a willingness to take a risk or to try something new. Even behind-the-scenes kind of gifts like fixing a meal or offering encouragement or helping organize a closet or edit a video or paint a wall. I mean, the reality is we are all in this together and we serve together and we bless one another when we do. But there are people who refuse to get involved because they think, I just don't really have anything to offer. Let me say this and then we're going to get really practical for a minute. Humility is not thinking badly of yourself, okay? It is not sitting on the sidelines because you're convinced you don't have what it takes to get in the game. It's not refusing to take a compliment. It's not saying, I did so bad when everybody else says you did so great. You know, it can really be sort of a side door expression of vanity. You turn the focus back on yourself with this big old negative spotlight instead of a positive spotlight. Always talking badly about self, but it still is all about, about you or about me. Humility, listen, humility is not thinking badly of yourself. It's just not thinking so much about yourself. It doesn't have to be about you or about me. If somebody compliments you, just say thanks and move on. Or say praise God and move on. Don't let it go to your head, but you, you don't have to refuse to hear it either. Part of thinking of ourselves with sober judgment, as Paul says, is to recognize our gifts. Thank God for our gifts and then use those gifts. In that goofy story about the guy who shoves the doctor out of the way because he has a course in first aid, the doctor was confident enough in her own ability to stick to her guns, to stay there, to get involved. She didn't walk away saying, well, obviously they don't need me. No, she knew she was needed, so she stuck around. That's not overconfidence. That's just appreciating your gifts. If you're trying to figure out how you might serve God in some way, if you're wondering if he's able to use you in any way, I want to give you three words that, that might be helpful to you. <clears throat> Passion, gifts, and personality. Passion, gifts, and personality. What's your passion? Man, what do you love to do? 
Do you just live for music? Are, are you all about technology? Do you love to write or edit or do marketing? Are you athletic? Man, are you great with kids? Do you enjoy art? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to manage projects or organize chaos? What do you do that when you're doing it, time just flies? There's got to be something. What's your passion? And how about giftedness? Do people compliment you when they hear you sing? Or they see what you've drawn? Or, or, or you sew, or you cook, or paint, or decorate, or clean, or mow, or tell a story, or weed a flower bed, or fix a broken piece of furniture? What, what do you receive praise for? Now, don't tell me you're not good at anything, because I don't believe it. Everybody has something. Now, granted... You may not be the best at anything. I got news for you. There are about 8 billion people in the world. There is nobody in this room who's the best at anything. Aren't you glad you came today for that word of encouragement? I mean, seriously. You're never going to be the best at it, and neither am I. And that's okay, because God didn't say, I want you to be the best. What did he say? I want you to do your best. And so we do. That's what we do. Everybody has something they do pretty well. But the third word is personality. Do you like to be up front? Are you better behind the scenes? Now, it's about to get real. If you're an upfront kind of person, is that because that's where you're most gifted? Or is that because you have a vanity problem and you need to be the center of attention in every room? If you have to be up front, that might be a problem. And it might be best for you not to be up front for a while. On the other hand, it could just be that you have a confidence to be up front because that's where your gifts are most useful and that's how God wired you. And if that's the case, great. Just don't make it about you. Some people work really well with others. They're most productive in a group. Other people work better alone. Some people take the party with them wherever they go, and some people just need peace and quiet if they're going to get anything done. What's your personality? There's passion, there's gifts, and there's personality. And I think an honest self-evaluation, maybe invite some input from some other friends and family, can help you find a way to serve. So here in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, offer yourself to God, and then he says, evaluate yourself with honesty, he also says, invest yourself through service. Look at verse 6, or excuse me, verse 4 of chapter 12 here. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, when it comes to the human body, Man, there are all kinds of parts that work together. You have arms and legs and hands and feet, eyes, ears, nose and mouth, head and shoulders, knees and toes, right? I mean, we have all these different parts to our bodies, and they work together. We have opposable thumbs for coordination, and we've got big toes for balance, and we have two eyes for depth perception, and we have two hands so you can clap whenever your grandkids do anything amazing, which is basically everything. And so the human body is made up of all these different parts. And no body is just a thumb, and no human body is just an eye or just a foot, because we have all these different parts, all the parts are different, all the parts work together, and all the parts are important. 
Man, if everybody in this room preached a sermon on Sunday morning, it'd be a long morning. Or maybe most of you wouldn't come, but it'd be a small crowd. If everybody in the room insisted on playing in the band, it would get pretty crowded up here on stage. If everybody insisted on teaching kids, nobody would be in here to worship. If everybody is a greeter, there would be nobody left to greet. I mean, sure, we need people preaching and leading music and, and working with kids and holding babies and smiling at the door. And yes, everybody is a greeter in the sense that you ought to be nice to the people who are sitting around you, okay? That's our job too. But friends, all of us need to be serving in our areas of passion, gifts, and personality. Now, to be fair, there is somewhat of an exception to this idea of giftedness, okay? I don't know if there is exactly a spiritual gift from God for every single thing, every grunt task, right? I'm setting up chairs, for instance. <clears throat> chairs have to be set up sometimes. I'm not sure that's a spiritual gift. I don't know if there's a spiritual gift from God for wiping down a countertop, but sometimes countertops need to be wiped down. I don't know that there's a spiritual gift for taking the trash out, but we have to get the trash taken out sometimes see you may not be working at times in your area of passion and it could be argued that it's not a special gift from God to do it it just takes a willingness to serve maybe there's a spiritual gift of willingness I don't know maybe it's just that we ought to be willing because we love God and we want to serve him well gift or not sometimes you're working in your area of giftedness sometimes you just do stuff because it just needs to be done I have a pastor friend who was moving a desk in his office one day, and the church custodian came by and said, Roy, what are you doing? <clears throat> Let me take care of that. And Roy said, I can move a desk. And the custodian said, yeah, but I can't preach a sermon. Now, there's kind of a fine line here with that. I, I like that illustration from the idea that we need to let people serve in their area of giftedness and not rob anybody of their calling. But at the same time, we need to remember that nobody's too good to move a desk. Nobody is too good to mop a floor or to set up chairs or to wipe off a counter or take out the trash. L let me ask you this question. What's the most important light in your house is it that big fancy light in your entryway is it that beautiful sort of chandelier that you have over your dining room table or is it the security light in your garage or maybe it's the night light that keeps you from you know ramming your toe into the bed frame when you get up in the night or that keeps you from breaking your neck when you have to go to the bathroom if you're not in your 50s yeah we'll talk about that later anyway different lights have different purposes that little light in the refrigerator, how does it know to come on every time you open the door? It's so handy, that light. Every light has a purpose. Every light is important in its own way. And man, we have different gifts and we have different purposes. But if we shine when it's our time to shine, we can make a difference too. At 6 a.m. last Sunday morning, I got a text from Anita Burkett that she was sick. Anita plays the piano for our first service. Her husband, Bobby, leads the singing. And there was not a whole lot of time to get that sorted out. I knew that me coming in and leading the music that day was not our best option. That was more of a 
nuclear fallout kind of an option. And so I texted Mo Longest from our church at 6.15 in the morning. I told him the situation. He was here by 7.30 warming up and he was leading our worship at 8.30 that day. And he could have freaked out by being asked about that. But when you're gifted and when you're passionate and when you're willing, you have to be willing, things get done. I love how Paul says that we're all members of one body and that we all belong to each other. Isn't that a cool concept? That when we have become a part of this church family, this team, this body of Jesus here in Bardstown, when needs come up and when we step in and help, we're not just serving ourselves, we're not just serving other people here, we are actually helping the body of Jesus. John Weatherly was a professor at Cincinnati Christian University where Gail and I went, where Mark Mobley went. And, and, and he wrote an article one time about spiritual gifts. And, and John said that we often make the mistake of thinking that the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible are a complete list, an exhaustive list. Everything from healing and miracles to, to leadership to generosity, mercy, discernment, teaching. We think that only the ones listed in the Bible are spiritual gifts. And then people don't seem to have any of those gifts and they feel like, well, I must not be gifted. But Weatherly said, the gifts Paul listed are certainly valid. It's just that they're not all the ones that there are. And he went on to explain. I like this, what he said. Any useful ability may become a gift of the Holy Spirit when a Christian uses that ability to serve the body of Christ and to spread the gospel of Christ. Any useful ability can be a spiritual gift when we use it for a spiritual purpose. We have a group of ladies in our church who decorated a Christmas tree this past December for the fundraising auction at the Guthrie Opportunity Center. We love the Guthrie Center here at Nelson Christian Church, and we wanted to do something to help them continue you know, employing folks with special needs in our community. And so the ladies worked really hard to put this tree together. They dropped the tree off. Um, go to the next picture if we could. I think we got a picture of this. Yeah, so there they are. Uh, they, 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 they dropped this beautiful tree off, and, and one of them told me later, I don't know sure it was one of those four, but one of the, because there was more people involved. Somebody said, ours was the prettiest tree there. And I'm going to be honest with you, I thought maybe that was a biased opinion, but I wisely kept my mouth shut. I know you think maybe I can't do that, but every once in a while I do. And so I didn't say anything, but then Gail and I went over and we looked at the trees and they were right. It was the prettiest one there. And maybe you think I'm being biased, and I am, but it went for the highest amount. So everybody else seemed to have agreed with me that it was the prettiest one there. I have scoured the New Testament Christmas tree decorating is not listed as a spiritual gift. But see, when you do something for a spiritual purpose, that gift is blessed by God. And it can make a difference. All right. So Paul says, offer yourself, evaluate yourself, invest yourself. And then finally, he says, push yourself toward excellence. I, I, I'm a big believer in excellence. Pick up again in verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Listen to these phrases again. Speak out, serve well, teach well, give generously, lead responsibly, work hard, show kindness gladly, take delight in honoring others, serve the Lord enthusiastically. You remember what we said a minute ago, you don't have to be the best. But, but you ought to do your best. I mean, for God's sake, and I'm not using that phrase in any way to dishonor the name of the Lord, and I'm not using it as a figure of speech. I literally mean, for God's sake, do your best. Because certainly, if anybody deserves our best, God does. We serve Him wholeheartedly. We serve Him enthusiastically. You know, our church's mission statement is that we exist, it's right there on the wall, up on your screen too, that we exist to love God, to love people, and to build a bridge to Jesus. And then there are three strategic words that help us accomplish that. Worship, connect, and serve. All three of those things happen both inside the church and outside the church. When we worship, we do it here together on Sunday mornings as a group, but we also encourage people to do it on your own at home. Read your Bible, pray, spend time with, with God privately. We connect here at church on Sunday mornings, here in this room. We connect out in the new cafe. I love watching people connect out there. We connect in small groups, in serving groups. But you know what? We also connect with our, our neighbors, with our coworkers, with people who are part of community serving groups that we're a part of. We connect with classmates, with teammates. We, we need to be connecting not just in here, but connecting out there. Well, the same goes for serving. Okay, serving happens here inside the church. Man, there's lots of ways to serve here. We need volunteers right now in the nursery. We need volunteers in kids' ministry, greeters, small group hosts and leaders, servers in the cafe, musicians in the band, people to help with technology. There's lots of ways that you can serve. We have an awesome team of volunteers. I'm so excited about this. They are working to help us launch a Celebrate Recovery program here at our church. Man, I believe Celebrate Recovery will not only minister to our church family, it's going to be, I believe, the most profound outreach into the community we've ever offered. I'm not exaggerating about this. People are going to come to Christ because of issues, challenges, struggles they have when they come here and are a part of this ministry that we're going to get started. And this team is helping us do that. And man, you could be a part of that and help us launch this amazing ministry. If any of this sounds interesting to you, there are communication cards in the seat pockets there. Put your name and phone number on one of those. On the back, there's a box that says serving opportunities. You just check that. Somebody will call you. There's, there's no strings attached. We just want to help you find a place to serve. And the next couple of, well, so, sorry, so serving inside the church. But we 
have lots of people who serve outside the church too. We have people in our church who volunteer at St. Vincent de Paul, at the local food for life food pantry, at Room in the Inn that ministers to the homeless, at Bardstown Primary School, at the New Life Center, and on and on it goes. And we have now um, a little sort of card rack that Mark mentioned earlier. It's out in the cafe there by the water of, you know, dispenser. And it's got cards of the different outreach opportunities into the community. And you can pick up one of those and there's a contact person from our church that you could reach out to if you want more information. Because we believe that Worship Connect Serve happens in here, but it also happens out there. Let me tell you really quickly about two opportunities coming up next month. The annual chocolate extravaganza at the Guthrie Opportunity Center is the main fundraiser for the New Life Center. And we love the New Life Center. And so every year we have people who, who bake goodies for the chocolate extravaganza. And we have people who buy tickets to go and eat an obscene amount of chocolate. And that's on February 24th. On February 22nd, we're going to provide a meal at Bardstown Primary School. Last year, we had about 15 people make a crock pot of homemade soup or chili. And then we had all these people come and serve it. We served... Uh, on that night at the school over 200 kids and parents and we're going to do that again this year you, you just kind of whip up your favorite recipe and then we get people either you come serve it or somebody else does and we'll be talking more about that we'll do signups for that but it's a win-win because you like to cook they like to eat and the school's awesome and we love to minister there what did, what did Paul say here in Romans 12 offer yourself evaluate yourself invest yourself and push yourself and that's how we respond to his grace it's an expression of grace that we use the gifts that he's given to us we have different gifts nobody can do everything but everybody can do something here's the bottom line for today God made me different on purpose and for a purpose that goes for you God made you different on purpose for a purpose God made us different on purpose and for a purpose some of us are more different than others okay but all of us bring something to the table. Look, we're, we're going to close this up. Uh, here's what I want you to imagine with me, okay? Just think about this, seriously. I want you to imagine that you're in heaven someday, and somebody walks up to you, and they say, hey, I just want to thank you. And, and you're like, I'm sorry, have we met? And, and they say, you're one of those awesome people from Nelson Christian Church, aren't you? You, you did so much for Nelson County. You gave and you served and you sacrificed. Wasn't that you? And you say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess. But, but I don't remember you. When did you go there? And, and they say, well, I was there back in the, in the 30s. And you're like, the 1930s? And they're like, no, the 2030s. And you're, you're thinking, well, I moved away by then. Or maybe I was already up here in heaven by then. And, and, and so you say, hey, I'm just curious. Who was the preacher when you were there? And, and I, don't, I don't remember his name. It was some old guy. Thought he still had red hair, but that ship had sailed. Yeah, I mean, he was okay. That's not why I went. No, man, man, that church was an awesome church. I love that church. And you say, well, look, if you came after me, why are you thanking me? And they say, it was the foundation that you laid. Man, it was the work that you did. You couldn't see it because you were right in the middle of it. But I'm telling you, I'm here because of you. I mean, I know I'm here because of Jesus, but like, I'm here because of you. I didn't know about him. I didn't care about all that. And then whatever it was happened that I landed there because of what you did. Thank you. Man, can you imagine having a conversation like that? Or, or, or maybe this girl walks up to you in heaven and, and says, thank you. Same drill. You don't recognize her. You have no idea why she's saying that. And she says, oh, we never met. I lived in Kenya. 
My parents died when I was four years old and this pastor and his wife took me in. You built the house that I grew up in. And your church helped our church. And man, I found out about Jesus there and I am here because of you. Thank you. Can you imagine what a conversation like that would be like? Friends, listen, God made you different from everybody else. And that means he's given you a purpose that is different than everybody else. And when you do your part and I do my part and everybody does their part, man, there's just no telling what God's going to do. But we have to be willing to serve. And then just watch what he's going to do. Let's pray. Father, I believe that you have gifted us and you've called us. And yeah, some of us are more upfront than others, and maybe we get a little too much attention. But God, every light is important. Every person brings something to the table. Everybody has a gift that can be shared. And I pray that we would do it well. That we would give our best, God, because you deserve it. And because when we give our best, it makes a difference. God, you bless us in such a profound way that people hear the, the gospel and people see what it means to be loved and the power of your grace and forgiveness. And God, we want to be an expression of your grace. And so we ask that you just fill us up with your spirit so we can make a difference for you in this community and even around the world. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.